Hey everyone, it's George from Blockchain DXP and today I have Eva Porus. She's the Managing Director and Lead Researcher for Smart Ledger. And recently Smart Ledger was in the news because they are planning to move to Dubai and UAE and most likely will be expanding to Middle East, Saudi Arabia and other parts of Asia as well. Now I did cover about Smart Ledger in my Crypto and Coffee Day podcast and I thought it'd be really interesting to get Eva on the podcast so that she goes and explains what is Smart Ledger and the goals and ambitions in the Middle East. So in this podcast, we had an in-depth discussion starting with the journey in the academic field. Now look guys, you need to check out the LinkedIn profile because she's got a phenomenal work experience in the academic field and she has written a couple of books and the link for the books is in the show notes below. And listen guys, in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, I do feel we do require someone from the academic field to give us some detailed information on what things are. And in this podcast, we also discuss some of the challenges so far as news is concerned and we discuss the importance of looking at facts as opposed to opinions and Eva did give out some really sound advice. But one thing which I was really impressed is when I asked her what advice would she like to give to fellow business partners, what she said was really smart and definitely something as fellow business partners we need to adapt to. And in this podcast, she also gave the reason of entering into Dubai because I do feel that Dubai right now is a blue ocean and we also discussed what are the plans of Smart Ledger, possibly moving into other parts of Middle East, maybe even Saudi Arabia and quite a lot more. And she also shared some information about Smart Ledger's role with Dubai Airport, so definitely check it out. But during this interview, I did get this feeling she's a person who's definitely keen on attention to detail. So once you listen to this episode, you'll truly understand what I'm talking about. And towards the end of the podcast, she did share her passion for music and how different kind of musics should be used at different situations. And in this podcast, she also mentioned about her team. Now, all the details for the team and Smart Ledger are in the show notes below. And if you do have any feedback or suggestions, please drop me an email to info at blockchaindxp.com or info at area2071.com. So check this out. Firstly, Eva, thank you so very much for taking the time. Really appreciate you talking to me and sharing your knowledge and information about yourself and about Smart Ledger. So really thank you for doing that. Now, before we kickstart today's episode, I just wanted to check, you know, how have you been? Because we got connected via LinkedIn and you did mention that you've been traveling quite a lot and recently you've had a pit stop in Dubai. So how was the year, especially the end of 2022 for you and how has Dubai been treating you so far? Um, well, yes, uh, I do travel a lot and I come very often to Dubai. Right now I am in Dubai, you know, but I was also in Dubai like two weeks and a half ago, you know, and in a different trip. And the reason why we establish ourselves here and I come so often is because it's a very exciting place to be right now, you know. I mean, for those who have never been here, I would advise they check it out as soon as possible <laughs> because it's kind of difficult to transmit the experience. You know, this is quite a young nation um, because it's being reborn, basically, basically, you know, with the leadership that um, they are enjoying right now and we are enjoying also as expats. Um, it's a very young country in its ambitions and in how it is being developed. I would say it's a country of the future, you know. And what happens is that lots of people from all over the world have come to become a to be able to enjoy and to, you know, push the efforts uh, in the same direction. So, um, so Dubai is, is a lot of fun, it's a lot of opportunity, it's a lot of excitement, and um, it's hectic. Uh, so you also have to watch it. <laughs> Totally agree, you know, and I've been living here since quite a number of years. And I do have to say it is a city of dreams and so whatever promises that we make, we always tend to, you know, over deliver it. You know, Dubai is turning out to be a leader, especially in the cryptocurrency blockchain, web three space and lately I'm not sure if you've heard about Metaverse. Dubai yes. is one of the few cities in the world which plans to redesign gross domestic product to metaverse domestic product and it might just be the first city in the world. So, you know, let's see what that ambition turns out to be. Now, uh, Eva, before we discuss about Smart Ledger, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Because you've had phenomenal work experience, especially in the research area. And I've looked at your LinkedIn profile and you have great academic background and experience, which is useful, particularly 
in the world of cryptocurrencies, blockchain, metaverse and web 3.0. And what I've noticed is that, you know, you have got really strong experience across different industries, ranging from education to fintech and now in the blockchain space. So can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Um, yes, so I, I think I, I am the typical person who did not have a very linear development. As a younger individual, I loved the literature and radio, as a matter of fact, and a number of things that were not, let's say, what a father or a mother would expect out of the child. You know, they would expect something more like you have to study law or you have to be an engineer or something like that. I, I was not into those things. I was into different things. But my career developed in such a way that I had to realize at a, let's say, early, early time that, um, you needed to have the professional experience was not really round up unless you had business experience. So I, I began to work in, um, in the business world, first in banking, then in the video industry. When I was in the video industry, I was in charge of production and pre-production for videos for CBS and 20th Century Fox. So this was, you know, eight years ago. From there, I moved to the States. I work in transportation and also heavy equipment and, you know, a few things. But I was doing also my undergraduate, my master's and my PhD in the United States, you know. So, uh, you know, so first I was here and I was studying all these things like literature, like radio, like photography, I have a degree in photography. And then when I moved to the States, I said, okay, now it's time to kind of fulfill my parents' dreams <laughs> and, <laughs> and get uh, these other titles that are more in line with their expectations and that are obviously so, so useful as well. Okay. So at the end, I did my PhD in finance because this was the only area of the business world that I have not touched personally. So I had been in marketing, in production, in logistics, everything, you know. But finance was the only area that I, I didn't really have experience on. And this is how, you know, my, my, my devenir was so strange, you know, and this is why I have experience in, in different areas and also in the academic world, because when you do your PhD in the United States, uh, part of your PhD experience is teaching. And of course, your dissertation requires that you publish original work. And actually, original work that um, adds value to the existing field. So you cannot copy something, you cannot do a summary of whatever exists, you have to do something totally new. And uh, this is what I did. I got myself into studying mechanisms of bubbles, of the transmission of bubbles and contagion of opinion in financial markets. This was the basics of my dissertation. And I find it very useful because of what is going on now in the crypto markets as well, you know. Uh, absolutely, because I was reading to some of uh, the posts which you mentioned via LinkedIn regarding the economic bubble. And I do feel that is extremely relevant considering what is going right now, you know, keeping in mind the inflation numbers. And I'm not sure if you've seen the news yesterday that the CPI numbers were out and they discussed the inflation numbers, which has gone down just a little bit. I, I really feel that uh, collective experience of you working, you know, in uh, in America and other parts of the world will definitely play a great deal, especially in the cryptocurrency and blockchain sector. Because uh, one thing that you touched base upon is, you know, about plagiarism. Because I'm not sure in 2017 where there was this whole ICO bubble and ICO craze, people were literally copy-pasting other people's work, putting it down as their own work in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space and raising millions of dollars. It is still happening, you know. I actually have um, to turn in a chapter next week, which is, which is, it is about um, intellectual uh, property, you know, IP in the blockchain um, area. And this is a huge problem. And sometimes people looking at this sector will not understand the fights that are going on, you know, behind the scenes because they don't understand the history, you know, and obviously they don't understand how some people have appropriated brands of other people or, you know, the work of other people. They have made some changes on it and they have publicized it as the original work, you know. So, so there yeah. are many things going on. This is very relevant. Unfortunately, um, you know, the, the role that should be played by the media is not 
being played properly because they mainly focus on very specific, um, you know, news such as cases of corruption that are a little bit yeah. more scandalous or pricing of, of cryptos, you know, but they don't really get behind the scenes to explain what is the meaning of this crypto versus this other one. Why is there value or why are we paying these amounts of money for these things that are like empty shells and there is nothing behind them, you know? Yes. So I feel um, this sector still needs to be organized. A lot of information needs to be passed on to the streets and it needs to be organized for the, let's say, for the general person who is just doing his or her job somewhere else and they are confused uh, by, you know, by, by the lack of a structure that exists in the way we communicate, you know. I 100% agree, and there are two names which pop up immediately. One is, you know, the founder of a protocol called Tron, and Justin's uh, son. He's notoriously known, you know, for plagiarizing things. And at the same time, if you look at the Binance BNB chain, they have essentially copied what Ethereum did, but they have actually mentioned that, they, you know, they have copy-pasted it. So the question of plagiarism in that case is completely thrown out of the window. But yeah, I definitely 100% agree, you know, to everything that you said. And it's really cool to know that, you know, you're working on something to do with IP, which is definitely relevant, you know, in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. Now, what I wanted to ask is, Ivan, what is Smart Ledger? Because currently, I believe you're working as the managing director and the lead researcher for Smart Ledger. So at a very basic level, can you tell our listeners, what is Smart Ledger? Who is the team behind it? And what is essentially that? What is the core problem that you're trying to solve? Um, yes, so Smart Ledger is a company that had a philosophy and we started with a philosophy and the philosophy was using blockchain technology to solve business problems. Okay, so this was our philosophy and then came the question is well, how do we do that, you know, so originally we looked across the environment and um, we said, okay, there are all these tools already existing in the environment, let us be like, like a distribution of tool for all of these um, gadgets that are already in existence. Okay, so this was our original approach. So we made lots of partnerships, um, you know, with uh, other players in the industry that we thought uh, had, a, let's say, a philosophy that was, let's say, compatible. But, uh, you know, getting things to work are not easy because the priorities of these small companies, because we were all small companies at the very beginning, and most of us are still, let's say, small companies, you know. So the priorities, um, the focus, uh, the opportunities are not, let's say, they don't, they are not timed correctly across the, the space, you know. So while we were trying to get this distribution channel going, at the same time, we began to create our own um, solutions. And this is how we ended up like a mix. We have solutions we created ourselves, like for example, 30 has Sentinel node, which works on the anti-hacking, you know, cybersecurity sector, other things like Ticket Mint, which is also to prevent fraud in the event industry, you know, um, by producing tickets uh, through NFTs that cannot be copied and so on. And then we created a bunch of applications, you know, for voting, uh, for sharing uh, money, for sharing royalties in the music industry. We, we, we've done a lot of, um, you know, smaller developments, proof of concepts. And this is what we are. We are just working in this double um, environment, one which is all own, where we create and distribute our own products. And the other one is where we collaborate with colleagues because if we see we can, uh, you know, let's say bring with us somebody who already exists and, and is compatible, we don't need to go through the, you know, through the production process. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that you mentioned is, you know, about collaboration, because I did go to your website and it did actually mention that, you know, you have 250 patented solutions, you know, currently operating in well over 35 countries, really strong experience in the industry. But what I wanted to find out is, are you using any particular blockchain protocol or is it your own enterprise solution no. that you have? Or? 
Yeah, no, we, we use BSD, which is Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. This yep. is where we develop all our, all of our solutions. And when we collaborate with people, we collaborate with people who are in the same space. Now we can uh, also work as we have, uh, you know, partnerships with um, individuals who are not in the BSD environment. But what we do with them is if we have a customer who wants to be, I don't know, in fabric or in something else, these partners of ours will, will develop that specific part of the solution. So we strategize, we design, you know, the problem, the steps, this and that. But then it would be your partner who we, would be involved with that. You know, ourselves, we are just working with BSD. Can you tell our listeners, are there any specific advantage? that you have by, let's say, using Bitcoin Satoshi version. Because when you talk about Bitcoin Satoshi version, people who are in the Bitcoin community, the so-called maximalist, they yes. particularly, you know, are kind of detractors of Bitcoin Satoshi version. So for a customer, let's say for a business or entity, what kind of advantage that you have that, you know, by using Satoshi version, do you have any points or that you'd like to tell our listeners? Yes. So, so, you know, the, the thing I ask businesses when they come to us with problems, we always, um, set the scenario so that it is sustainable. You know, this is, this is key. You cannot make some, such an investment that has such a profound impact on a company and in the sector to do something that is temporary. Okay. So we, the way we think about it is that the structure of the technology has to be there so that this, uh, let's say, product is sustainable. To be sustainable, it means that the protocol cannot change because you cannot get into one protocol that tomorrow seven people get together and they change it because then what do you say to your customers? I told you we could run so many transactions, but now we can't, or I told you the prices would be inexpensive, but now you have to pay more for the transaction than for the product, you know. So, so this is the first one. It has to be sustainable. And what are the implications of that? It means it has to be fast. It has to be able to grow. And you have to know what type of contract you have. So the contract cannot change. Okay. It cannot be manipulated by a group of people. And, um, and you have to be able to forecast. And this is the reason why we are working with Bitcoin SD. Because it scales. You can put millions of transactions in one block. That means, you know, that um, the transactions are inexpensive because when in a few years the miners do not get their reward, you know, the bitcoins from um, from the protocol itself because they, the 21 million are, are going to happen, you know. So, you know, that this, you know, this, this currency or this, um, this, uh, how would I call it, this award, basically it's being reduced every four years, right? And it will disappear eventually once the 21 million coins are, are there in the market, right? So the miner has to be, has to make money, it has to support itself out of the commissions that they make out of the transactions. If the commissions are very high, the number of transactions will be low. If the commissions are low, the number of transactions will be high. So we believe the survival of the industry, the survival of the sector is based upon making, um, making this uh, technology available, you know, so that it can fulfill the role that the vision of Satoshi spread. Um, Satoshi Nakamoto created this technology to make nano payments. The nano payment is a payment you cannot do with a fiat currency. Okay, so it means that you really have to pay very, very, very small amounts of, let's say, money, cash, digital cash, to achieve um, transactions. And the business is in economies of scale, you know. So this is why we use Bitcoin's acquisition. I, I hope I explained myself. I am not sure. I, I think you I, made an, you know, no, I think you made an excellent point, and especially in today's environment, because what is happening to people who follow the DC core. The mining industry is doing absolutely devastating, especially since the last three months. Of course, scientific part of the Bitcoin mining industry has completely uh, gone belly up. They're filing for bankruptcy. So the Bitcoin mining industry per se is not doing good at all. And I really like the explanation that you gave. 
in terms of you know the number of transactions going in and in terms of the number of fees so yeah i 100 percent agree but i also like the fact that you know you're clarifying this with your potential customers you're not giving on a short time period you are looking at it at a long time horizon so 100 percent agree in that so i was going through your website and it did actually mention that smart ledger i believe last year you all had a partnership with uh, a company that focuses on ESG, and the company's yes. name was Smart Grow Agri Tech. Yes, and yes, of course. You know, ESG is very important. Um, one one of the key things about um, blockchain technology, and this, I think, maybe your listeners want to reflect upon that, is that what the blockchain came to do is actually solve a problem of traceability, and that meant. The meaning of it is that you can trace processes and you can trace payments. Um, so this is not anonymous, you know, it's what they call semi-anonymous. Okay. If you need to do an audit, you can do an audit. And if the, you know, the law, the police needs to track something, it can track it. Okay. So it is key that, um, there is transparency. So it is key that there is transparency in the protocols. People know what protocols are being used. People, you know, these are open source. Um, the decision making of what goes into a block is not a blind decision, meaning that you can see and you can understand the procedure. And, and this procedure is, let's say, democratic in the sense that it's distributed. Okay. And, uh, it's not run by a small club. So ESG is another aspect of it. Okay, it's another aspect of ensuring that there is ethics and that there is transparency in um, in the business. I 100% agree again. I like the fact that you know you mentioned about what is going into a block because I'm not sure if you've heard about the news regarding Ethereum that you yes. know 60% of the blocks are OFAC compliant essentially because of yes. proof of stake. Miners in a way have the ability to go ahead and, you know, cherry-pick certain transactions, which eventually means that, you know, it is becoming certain transactions are becoming censored. So definitely brilliant stuff. Now, Eva, can you tell our listeners that Smart Ledger has decided to enter the Middle East and are planning to start its operation in Dubai? Take us back to the moment at the idea stage. When was the decision made in order to move to Dubai or into the Middle East? What was it that was going on and the decision-making process was? Um, so we were here as part of a um, blockchain show that happened last year around May. And I stayed for a month. And of course, we have always heard about Dubai. We Everybody has friends here. And, uh, you know, from far away, you can hear what is going on. But once we came to this um, exhibit and we stayed, you know, between setting up the, the stage and everything, my team and I stayed like 10 days doing that. And then I stayed longer. I stayed like 21, 22 days and attended many other meetings, you know. Then is when we decided we had to move in. Um, it's not only, I mean, on the one hand, obviously, is the role of His Royal Highness and, you know, the leadership of, um, of this uh, country, you know, and, and the Emirate of Dubai particularly. Um, but... It is also that because of this, people have flocked to this area precisely to be a part of this vision, you know. So the vision is facilitated by the authorities, but is brought to reality by all of them, all of the people who come here to contribute to it. And then you realize you have so much to learn and so much to share, you know, with people who share this vision. Um, so we decided that we wanted to open a company here also because, um, we are very spread. You know, I, I am in Madrid, in Spain. My colleagues, um, my, my partner, my colleague partners, three of them are in the East Coast of the United States, but we have also other collaborators on the West Coast. Um, now we also have a partner here in Dubai, you know, so, you know, Time-wise, it's, it's crazy. You know, we are so many hours apart, you know. Um, so we decided that to ease our ability to respond to the local needs and to reach markets around here, we need to open an, an office here 
that had the power to make decisions um, and just be, be very flexible and very responsive and very active. So I think it was right then last May that um, we said we need to open up. Uh, we began looking about what were the options and attended one breakfast with the uh, African uh, community, actually. <laughs> yeah. And there was a presentation by the Maiden Zone, you know, and we, after comparing with other uh, options we had, this is how we decided to go. So we immediately began the process, you know, to, to, to come here. That is absolutely great. And Dubai is kind of like the center because it becomes easier to, you know, do your business in other parts in Africa as well, maybe in the near future, enter into the Asian regions. Now, lately, I'm not sure if you noticed that Dubai is turning out to be the red ocean, particularly in the field of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, because there are so many companies which have started up right over here. There's Crypto.com, there's Binance, there's BitOasis, which means that there is a lot of competition. So how is Smart Ledger planning to work around the competition? Because from a customer's point of view, and from an end user's point of view, it is great. It just means, you know, cheaper products, better quality, faster service time. So when there is a red ocean, how is Smart Ledger managing this thing? And what kind of competitive advantage do you think Smart Ledger will have in a red ocean right now? So um, the way, or what I think is different about us is our philosophy, you know, because what we do is we go about problems. So we understand this industry um, and we see there is a core problem and we design a solution for that core problem for a particular company, okay? So, for example, when we came to Dubai, we had been, let's say, in the past concocting a solution for the airport environment, and we thought the Dubai airport was the perfect customer for that. Oh. What is our intention? Our intention is to become a partner of the airport. Not in the, let's say, not obviously in the legal sense of the word, but in the, in the sense of the word of becoming a long-term, um, you know, right-hand uh, tool to solve problems that are, um, that are, you know, um, let's say, lessened by the use of blockchain technology. So, th so this is how we are different. We don't have a one-fits-all uh, solution and we are not inflexible, which is what we encounter many times. You know, people just package something and they want to hit you with the package in the head. You know, this is my package, you fit my solution instead of, no, I build a solution for your problem, considering your characteristics customer. And as a matter of fact, as we run together in um, the solution of this problem, what we also do is we get to know your organization better and we can offer additional adaptations, you know, or, um, you know, tools for other problems that we see you can, um, you know, you can tackle. So gaining efficiencies, lowering costs, um, being better at governance, uh, helping the auditing aspects of processes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, so I think in this we are, let's say, very different from what I've encountered overall. You know, especially and one thing which you did mention earlier as well that you know you're working on something to do with ticketing, and that's where yes. the nature of NFT kicks in. So I do feel that you know, probably in the next coming years a lot of the ticketing features will eventually be on NFTs. And I do feel that, you know, if you have most up with any companies over here, I do feel that would be great. Now, right now, Dubai is the red ocean, but uh, Saudi Arabia is right now the blue ocean and they have a massive yes. neon project. So are there any plans or smart ledger to have to move into the blue ocean area right now? Absolutely. You know, I mean, we love leadership and this is what you can notice in the Emirates, of course, and now also in Saudi Arabia. You know, there is a very, very, very strong leadership to get into the 25th century, basically, you know. And with all the plans 2030 and so on, there is a huge commitment on the part of the Crown Prince. And there is a huge investment which goes with do as you say, and, and that's what they are doing. Of course, there is the Neon project and everything that is around it. And we also are thinking of some solutions uh, precisely for, for the environment of Neon. 
we are dreaming about getting into Saudi Arabia. We think this is huge. Um, and also there is all this energy that, you know, you have to just join. Uh, this is momentous. You cannot, you know, the time is now. You cannot just say, okay, well, 10 years. No, it has to be now. So we are absolutely planning to, to get in and to be able to, you know, become a part of, of that um, new beginning. This is really exciting. Absolutely. And now right now, you know, the buzzword, especially since Facebook changed its name from Facebook to Meta, the buzzword or the fad right now is about Metaverse. And there are quite a lot of events, you know, particularly in the first quarter of 2023 where Saudi Arabia is kind of taking the lead in Metaverse as well. And one news article that I actually read is that Saudi Arabia is overtaking UAE threefolds, especially in the area of Metaverse. So hopefully, probably, you know, in a half a decade's time or so, UAE might be catching up to them as well. Now, going back to Smart Ledger, what are your short-term and long-term business plans, particularly, let's say, in Dubai and in the Middle East? Um, so in Dubai, we made a presentation for the airport um, engineering um, authority, and we are hoping to progress with this uh, project. We will see, you know. Um, this is our priority uh, project here. But of course, we have all of our products and we are also hoping to be able to gain customers around the, the, the region in Dubai and also all the other Emirates and then consequently um, Saudi Arabia as well. Um, but first of all, we have this project that we have developed specifically for the airport and we are really dreaming about it because it's very special. It's very much in line with... Um, you know, with the vision of the authorities, and we do hope we can develop it for them. So this is this is a, this is a first dream. You know, the most important dream of all. Yep. And then, of course, we have our thirty has Sentinel Node, which is a set of solutions anti-hacking. Um, we've been talking to companies. We have Ticketmint, which is the solution we are talking yep. for. You know, events. And my gosh, you know, Dubai is like the, the kingdom of the events as well, you know. <laughs> there are events going on all the time. So this, this is another opportunity. Um, so just, I guess, it's a matter of um, settling down. We have been in the process, but now everything is fixed from the legal point of view and so on. So we just need to finish settling down and then... Um, and just, just, you know, doing, doing the work. <laughs> That's what we are uh, doing right now. And now we are very hopeful and very excited about it. That is absolutely excellent. And it's great to know that, you know, you give us some snippet about, you know, your client with uh, Dubai Airport. Now to the potential customers or end users of Smart Ledger, what advice would you like to give? Why should they opt for Smart Ledger? Um, I, I guess the advice um, I would give um, or potential customers is uh, to listen, you know, because this is key. You can get in the right technology, you can get in the wrong technology, and the way back is very difficult. So I would say um, don't go with the flow. Understand the technology, not that the CEO has to understand it, this is not his role, but there is always a technical officer and there is always opportunity for educating the decision makers. And this is also part of what we do. So when we are um, talking to our potential customers, we are explaining to them exactly how the technology work, works and what are the advantages of this technology versus other options. So this is not a believe in me you know, kind of situation because I say so. Totally to the contrary. We don't want you to believe in us. We want you to decide what is the best technology for you. And we're just giving you the information so you can make this decision, you know. Um, and then we accompany the, the, the firm, the customer, and then we educate them also. Because once you have this technology, you have to know what are the implications. You have to know how to maintain it. And, you know, you have to know so many things, but we also do that work with our customers and we stay with them. So this is not a hello, we sold a package and goodbye. No, we believe in this type of, of communication, this type of accompany, accompaniment, because this is a new technology. Um, it's not intuitive, okay? And the companies need 
you know, this, this kind of support all the way. We have the right team. You asked me before who is yeah. Smart Layer, yes. So um, Smart Layer is for partners. Um, and this is Brian Dogerty. Um, the second partner is, um, Sean Ryan. Third partner is, um, Greg Ward. The last partner is myself. And then for the company we set up in Dubai, which is blockchain smart technologies, we have a fifth partner, which is a local Indian Dubai person, you know, somebody who has been here forever. His name yeah. is Jimmy George. Okay. So in terms of people, this is who we are. We have a CEO, which is, uh, you know, uh, Sean Ryan. We have the, the, let's say, chief technical development officer, who is great. And we have uh, Brian Dogerty, who runs all hats on his head. He's also a, you know, part, a developer. He's also like a president. He's also, you know, so he runs uh, all of these um, roles. He writes a lot. He's the one who is in contact with government in the United States because we're educating senators and, uh, you know, um, congressmen and so on on the technology as well. And I am the person basically that is outside of the United States physically, you know, um, trying to bring all, all of the things here, trying also to create things for our own markets. So especially, um, designed and uh, constructed outside of the United States just for other markets. And, um, and this is how we are running. You know, we have obviously, uh, product managers. Uh, we work with engineers, depending on how many projects we have, you know, our engineering team grows or diminishes and, and so on. So, you know, it's a very, very flexible company. It's a very focused company, very opportunistic in the sense of problem solving and, um, and also very passionate. You know, all of us are passionate about what we do and uh, we are so thrilled to have this opportunity, you know, to become a part of, of, the birth of this uh, technology and to be also a part of the impact, you know, that using it uh, to resolve problems is going to have in the, in the lives of people and in the economies of the countries. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned about Brian, because I do believe that he's very active on LinkedIn as well, because he constantly yes. keeps on updating people. And one thing which I liked on your website is, you know, you can actually, as a customer, you can actually go to the customer and it has somewhat kind of like a need analysis wherein you tell about the project. And one thing which I really like that you mentioned is that you're telling the customers about the technology as opposed to the price. Because when you talk about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, a lot of them directly talk about, you know, how you're financially going to be benefited by it. And uh, I have my podcast. I have three podcasts, actually. One thing which I often say is, you know, so critical that you truly understand what blockchain is the limitations for it that way you would understand that what it is not so you know yes. it's really nice that you know you're informing the customers about everything now since 2022 was one of the worst years for bitcoin bitcoin satoshi vision cryptocurrencies and blockchain for smart ledger what were some of the key challenges that you are facing and are currently facing right now and how are you guys planning to overcome that if you have any challenges well, you know, I mean, obviously, um, this has been a blessing and also obviously a curse, all the volatility of the markets and all the scandals. It is a blessing because I, I guess, I hope it alerts people, you know, in the streets, please, you need to really know what you are doing when you put your money and any processes that you would um, follow outside of the crypto industry, please follow them in the crypto industry as well. Why would you put money in a market where you don't even know where it's located, where there are no audits, uh, where there is no security of any kind? Because the difference in the knowledge level between the average person and those who are managing the markets is so huge that you have no defense whatsoever, you know? So in that sense, we hope this alerts people um, to the fact that they do need information and they do need to to be smarter and less emotional, you know. Of course, it's a curse because people mistrust the sector overall, you know, so in this sense. Um, but directly, it doesn't affect us. We don't buy cryptocurrencies. We are not into trading. 
um, you know, we just, we just use BSV because, of course, the transactions have to be paid for. Okay. Um, in a way, the cheaper they are, the best for our customers. So for us, it's not really, you know, um, a problem other than you have to maintain the mining. The miners have to make money. They also have to secure their position. But because we can put so many transactions in the blocks, really, for us, particularly BNBSB, uh, it's not been, you know, the end of the world or any, anything like that, you know. And one thing which you mentioned, you know, and I probably should have mentioned earlier as well, the fact that, you know, you can put so many transactions per block, and that was in hindsight the original vision of yes. Satoshi Nakamoto as well, rather than, you know, having the limited block size. So, yeah, I kind of agree to it. And one news, I'm not sure if you checked the news yesterday, which was kind of like a breaking news about Digital Currency Group. And uh, hopefully find out in the next few days, if they are filing for bankruptcy, because if they do file for bankruptcy, it will have a knock-on effect for grayscale investments. And the impact potentially could be much worse than FTX as well. So I'm not sure if you've heard that news. And it's yeah. so critical that you mentioned that, you know, we need to understand and look at information. What I really like is you said that we are doing that in other industries. Why don't we do that in the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry? And one yeah. example I can think of is about a company in Singapore. I forgot the name of it. They invested $200 million in FTX and they did not do absolutely any due diligence. The moment they found out, they took it as a bad debt and you know, they completely drove it off. So I do agree that what we do in our regular industry, we need to definitely replicate it in the cryptocurrency and blockchain world. The other question what I wanted to ask is, you know, and this is at a macro level, considering the fact that we are facing a lot of geopolitical situation, Inflation numbers are up and down. There's a lot of chaos going on right now. What advice, you know, would you like to give, let's say, to listeners and other businesses? And what is it that changes that you should probably expect probably in the next 2023, 2024, and the next coming years? Um, well, you know, I'm not really a person to give any advice um, because, you know, Advice depends upon your vision, but I can share my vision, you know. Yeah. This I, I absolutely will do. You know, I think we are in a problem because for many years, basically most governments in the world, say for example, all European governments, United States, have been putting incredible amounts of money into the market, uh, meaning inflation, meaning uh, people are losing the purchasing power, you know. And this is a form of a slavery because all of that has been financed with debt. So my philosophy in this is that people should think of themselves. They should not trust governments to take them out of uh, the problems. Um, governments are there to, let's say, be re-elected in reality. And they will tell you, this is like this, this guy, you know, uh, yeah. Friedman, you know, um, he was there to get elected, you know, so you send the money to him and he did what he thought would bring the money. That doesn't mean that um, the checks and the balances and the right procedures and that the ethics are okay. I, and I am not trying to judge these men uh, here right now, you know, but, but that's the same with the governments, you know. Um, you have to believe what people do, not what people say, and you have to check what they are doing. Okay, not just hear the echo. Um, so my advice is that people take a serious look back of everything that has happened since the year 2000 and see how this is accelerating, this process is accelerating, and that they start understanding that they are responsible for their own lives and they need to, to, to take this responsibility seriously, you know, uh, with their savings, with their financial decisions, um, and just with their responsibilities as society men and women, you know, um, contributing to the well-being of, of their countries and their societies means making the right choices and not just running with the flow, you know. So this would be my advice. You know, my advice is be careful. Um, you are losing purchasing power, your countries. Not this one here, where we are right now in Dubai, but other countries are yeah. uh, absolutely getting their citizens into debt. 
uh, forever, basically. And this is very dangerous and, and, um, it has no solution at the personal level. Okay. So that's why I say people should try to protect, increase their savings, you know, just do things that will create a buffer, become more independent from, let's say, uh, donations from the government and, and, and so on. And so I would not advise them to throw their money away either, you know, in adventures uh, that they don't really know about. I would also tell them to to really get informed because, you know, I run into so many friends of mine that have these children that believe they know everything, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you cannot replace studying by an opinion. One thing is an opinion yeah. and another thing, you know, is facts. And I would say yeah. try to get facts, you know. Not what somebody said, somebody that you trust a lot said, because when you get yourself into trouble, this other person is not going to get you out of trouble. You know, this Correct. is your personal trouble. So, um, so I, I say, you know, that's basically the only advice I can give, you know, um, to look at your own house and see how you can make it better. You know, that's, that's my opinion. I absolutely agree. And, you know, opinions can change over time, but facts cannot change. And one of the things, you know, which I've heard and that the four most powerful and dangerous words said by the government is we are here to help so yes. you know i totally 100 percent agree and the onus lies on to us you know we can't keep doing the blame game we need to go yes. and try to understand things and one thing which you did uh, beautifully mention at the beginning of this episode is regarding getting information now with the amount of fake news and incorrect information i very strongly feel that you know right now we are living in the world where having a lot of information is not important but getting information from the first source is so critical because mm. just yesterday I was reading a, a news about Apple getting into mixed reality headset, but I could not get the first office of information and quite a lot of other things. And I just have a few other questions, Eva. And one of them is, you know, based on your experience with Smart Ledger and across other industries, for the business partners who are trying to build something in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, what advice would you like to give them? Now, you also need to keep in mind that, you know, they might be potentially your competitors as well. So what advice would you like um, to I, give to them? Yeah, I think the same advice that I give to ourselves. You know, I think the sector benefits the more companies, the stronger companies and the better reputation we all have. You know, we contribute to the creation of a new sector. So I, you know, I would recommend them to do the things that we do, to take things seriously, to be ethical, um, to be creative, but in a way that adds value. <clears throat> And there are many ways to add adding value, you know. So it's um it's 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 not uh it's not a closed end pond where only three fishes fit. I think quite to the contrary, this is an ocean, it's a very deep ocean. The world is huge. Um all of us have a certain competitive advantage because of geographical location, because of our history, because of this or because of that. So the first one is do things right. Because this is a long, you know, this is like a, a very long run. This is like a marathon. It's not a 300 meter run, you know. So our sector is here for the marathon run and beyond. I would advise them to read a paper. Actually, I wanted to mention this. You know, there is a paper written by the team of Enchain. And this, this is a, it's a chapter. It's called Ledger Comparative Analysis. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend people to look at it because, um, it gives an initial overview of a comparison amongst 11 different, uh, you know, let's say, blockchains, okay? Mm -hmm. And what it will help people is to reflect on how these different characteristics will impact the capacity of this technology to be meaningful. Okay, so this one I would uh, for sure recommend uh, because I guess most people have not even thought of that. They just look at the blockchain space or the crypto space and they think, well, this is blue, this is red, this has a lion, this one has a monkey, and this is cute, and the other one is cuter. You know, I go one, I buy one of these, one of these, and one of these. But yeah. that's not the point, you know. So, so I think, yeah, people have to become more professional. Um, everybody, let's say, and this would be my advice. We are doing that ourselves. You know, we are obviously 
um, becoming more precise and we are really working very, very hard to make things right. And it's not easy at all. Yeah. No, like you said, for example, Brian, he's very active in LinkedIn. He sleeps four hours a day. You know, that's how he can be very active in LinkedIn, you know, because he does everything. Plus, he's very active in social media. You know, he's um, a great communicator. So nothing is easy for anybody. It doesn't come, you know, you don't buy it already in the package with the bow. You have to make it yourself. Uh, it's worth it. And I would advise everybody do things right. Um, you cannot hide, you know. I mean, these guys who are running into these problems, these are not a mistake. These are problems by, because the design, the concept was wrong, Correct. you know, from the very beginning. These are not, you know, I made a mistake, I typed I instead of O, or, you know, or one day I couldn't see clearly. No. These are designed problems from the start. Uh, uh, so, you know, I would say, you know, do your best, uh, be ethical, think of things. There's a lot of information nowadays. People are spending a lot of money in putting education out. Um, so, you know, get it and, and don't trust one source, compare. You know, I, I say this is also my advice to my colleagues in the sector. I say we all benefit when we all do things right. You know, so. I absolutely 100% agree. And now this moves off to the next question, you know, keeping all these things in mind. When do you see that the crypto economy will be bigger than the fiat currency? Will it be, let's say, a couple of decades or now? Do you anticipate that happening maybe in the next decade or less than that? Well, I, I don't think um, crypto is going to replace fiat. You know, I think there will be digital fiat. Okay, because every central bank right now are doing the digital currency, which is like digital fiat. I, I don't think crypto was created to replace fiat. I think it was created to complement fiat in a way that fiat couldn't do. So basically, fiat could not um, do nano payments, you know. <clears throat> yeah. And this is why crypto was invented, to do these nano payments. Okay, this is... Um, so I, I don't think maybe, you know, in, in 10 days, I will put a foot in my mouth, but as <laughs> of now, this is how I see it, you know. But the other thing is, I think, yes, crypto will uh, grow. It will be huge because it's going to replace inefficient technologies. Okay. And it will just go, let's say, one by one. And then it will accelerate as it becomes more commonplace. People understand it better. And businessmen are not afraid of it because they already have an experience and more or less they have begun to understand how this works. So, yes, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to replace a lot of the banking industry because it's much more efficient and transportation and, you know, everything that has to do with processes. Um, it is here to stay, obviously, with accounting, people entry accounting, uh, Ricardian contracts. So I think the world is going to change a lot. You know, there is Internet of the Things, which is complementary. All these artificial contracts that are already part of, you know, the usual um, applications and solutions in, in blockchain technology. I think there will be an acceleration, but it's like half of what it, it exists right now is going to dis be destroyed because of these corruption problems and bad planning and hopeful thinking and just ignorance in some cases. Uh, um, and it will, you know, the, the new economy will grow stronger and, um, you know, better planned and on more solid grounds. And I'm not sure if you've seen the recent development in chat GPT. No, I didn't. Sure. Oh, it's absolutely scary so it is essentially an artificial intelligence i'll send you the link later on so chat gpt is you could say it's probably ten thousand oh. times faster and better than google yeah I, I think i know which one they're talking about yes, I know. Yes, yes. you know with your yes. innovations in tech but this is this is also why blockchain is so important and this is one of the reasons why satoshi nakamoto created it to differentiate what is real from what is not real you know yeah. and and this is the purpose of blockchain technology. This was why, uh, you know, Bitcoin was created. Um, because you differentiate through events 
strong false events, you know. Absolutely. And yes, chat is, is absolute dangerous. And this is why people cannot become lazy. They, you know, they need to catch up with the times. Actually, this brings us to, to a very, very serious problem, which is the divide amongst people, you know. Yeah. Those that because of their age, their upbringing, will be falling behind the times. And the younger generation, which obviously has grown with so many options as, you know, yeah. their natural upbringing, you know, they, they, they look like octopus, you know, writing in their telephones, you know, and things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think this is also a very, um, serious problem. And all of us will need to figure out ways in which nobody stays behind, you know, um, but this is another, you know, another area to, to look upon yes absolutely and do you want to give any advice or do you have anything else to say regarding smart ledger for our listeners so yeah i'll, I'll, I'll tell them you know come to our web page yeah um, smart layer uh, dot solutions and um glance around i i don't know if you put notes in your podcast i can yeah. i can give you links uh to yeah. many of our apps they will love them you know um some of them are super interesting easy to use so they can play around with them. We we give satoshis, you know. So if they get into these chats, they suddenly yeah. receive five thousand satoshis or whatever, which is fun. But just to look around to see what we are doing, um, which is very intuitive. Okay, so this is not that you need to become the engineer of you know space travel or anything like that, because they solve very specific problems. So we have a voting machine to vote. You can use it in your community. You can use it in uh, in a company, you can use it across, but it's so easy, you know. We have another one that you can send money. Let's say, for example, you want to send money to your children. And every week you split however, you know, uh, much you want in certain percentages. Or this is also good to pay royalties, you know. So we have a number of things. I will give you the links and uh, everybody to get into them and just play with them and, and you know, take a look. So what I'll do is, you know, in the show notes below, I'll definitely go ahead and mention your details and mention all the things that you mentioned. And I'll also mention the article that you mentioned, you know, which compares different blockchain protocols. I'll definitely go ahead and mention that. Now, one final question that I wanted to ask you, and this is nothing to do with cryptocurrency, it's nothing to do with blockchain. What genre of music that you like and what genre of music is something that you're passionate about? Oh, my, my answer is going to disappoint you so much. I like all music, you know, from hard rock, uh, you know, to, to local music, you know, so the, the Indians from Peru. I love the music. I love Mexican music. I love Indian music. I love Arabic music. Uh, just, you know, I've traveled musically. I've traveled, let's say, to the world. I don't know it all. Absolutely. But um I'm trying to think which is my least favorite, at least to give you that much. Uh But, you know, it used to be reggae. But, of course, there are some reggae songs that are so, Catchy. you know, so much loved by me that I couldn't say that, you know. <laughs> and also because one of my partners is a reggae musician. He will help me. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned about hard rock, you know. I personally like all the heavy metal and I play drums for a band as well. So, yeah, I wanted to mm-hmm. agree on that. Oh, I so love brilliant. hard rock. Yeah, it just, it, you get crazy, you know. But, you know, I love also classical music. I, you know, I used to have, and when I was doing my PhD, to do a real PhD is a very, let's say, harderous process. And I used to help myself with music, okay? So I had different types of music to accompany in different moments. When I was, I was studying, I had a type of music. When I was going to go into an exam, I had very specific songs, you know, that were helping me. Yeah. Uh, when I wanted to feel like get energy because I needed it, again, I chose my music for that. Um, I, I think people should be aware that music changes, you know, your vibrations in your head. And it really is a replacement for, for medication. Some people who are in medication, should they start listening to music, you know? Because um, it does alter your mood and, and it's fantastic. And you just have to choose the right music for the, for the right time, you know? <laughs> I 100% agree, especially, you know, yeah, I remember when I did my master's as well, 
And then when I was struggling with the dissertation, I was listening to a very specific type of music that would calm my brain down, get me relaxed, get me, get me motivated, and get back to work. So, you know, I 100% agree to that. So, you know, Eva, thank you so much for doing this. You know, really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I really hope that, you know, you enjoy the weekend as well, because I believe you're flying out on Monday once again, isn't it? Yes, I'm going to Greece from here. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> excellent. So thank you so very much for doing this. Uh, thank you so much once again. Thank you. And thank you Bye. to your listeners.